This is Moss Whelan and Story in Mind. It's another clear sky, morning, stars. I'm looking straight up, but I don't see Polaris. And, uh... <laughs> it's up there somewhere, I'm sure. <clears throat> And so, and so, topic-wise, I have this huge list of literary devices, but just when I was getting things going this morning, I saw, I, I, re, I recalled Le Totes, say L-I-T-O-T-E-S, and specifically, they are in... Utopia, by Thomas More, who lost his head. Uh, he was decapitated uh, by is Henry the Eighth. Was that was it the number eight? Who separated from the Catholic Church, and Thomas More was part of the Church, and would not agree to the process. Uh, he was a Catholic, and he didn't want to leave. Technically, so was Henry VIII. <clears throat> uh, so a bit of history, our Thomas More. And so he did Utopia earlier, obviously, <laughs> in his career, when he had a head. And, and to, I think he was actually sainted by the Catholic Church, for uh, not agreeing to um, Henry VIII's demands. But Utopia, Utopia, the Latotes. So what the Latotes are is to, instead of saying sad, you say unhappy. Well, what does that matter? In constant succession with with this you know you're introducing a word but you're negating it it creates this effect throughout the piece whether it's a piece of poetry or prose and if you keep on coming back to this kind of like as a late motif maybe where it's this repetition where you keep doing the same thing and <clears throat> i would throw in a kind of arc as well that's me. So I would treat it as a kind of thread, a storyline. And as we go through this latote of uh, unhappiness, say, that it will sort of change. So that it's not a constant. But on its own, if you look to if you look to Utopia, and if you're on the lookout for these latotes, what happens is. Um, you have the, say, in the, in the case of unhappy, you have the suggestion of happiness that is negated, it's taken away. Whereas, say, if you use the word sad, uh, then you have this kind of direct root. So, <clears throat> uh, in, a, in a way, unhappy is worse because it's, you know, it's providing you with this emotion and then it's taken away, right? The absence of happiness or the notness of happiness. And it creates this effect. Oh, Moss, what does it matter? Ah, this morning, uh, part of my... <laughs> my story, my ongoing story uh, that I'm working on this this sort of episode is to do with a literary uh, piece of literary fiction and why am I doing that it actually has turned into it's, it is actually pleasurable you know, when I can you know, when the discipline is working 
you know, I'm able to get myself there into it and uh, get to work, basically. Moss, why do you force inspiration? <laughs> it's like making orange juice. It's not going to happen unless you do it. What does that mean? Uh, okay, yeah, so this morning, I, I think maybe because I'm considering literary devices, I found myself thinking about it and thinking about the effect that I want to have happen specifically. And because of that, I found myself looking at temperature. And I noticed that I have a, um, a, cold, a cold room in a warm house. Uh, it's winter time. And so it's cold outside. Then, then there's the, the cab or the cockpit. I'm trying to decide which to use. Uh, of a truck. So there's a truck in the front seat and uh, there's a heater heater, and the heater is I've decided I wanted an arc for the heater that there's this concern the heater might break because it's uh, it's rattling it's like oh is it going to be okay uh, so it's Chekhov's gun and it's like you know if you introduce something you know better pay it off uh, so yes, yeah, so you know the heater is going to break and then it's going to get cold and then ultimately at the end of the story I noticed, oh my gosh, it's cold so we have this sort of arc going on of temperature and this is just this is one thread going through uh, the, it, there's the potential to use it what does the temperature mean? What, is, what does it symbolize? Moss, I don't care about that stuff. <laughs> I just want fame and fortune. I'm with you. I hear you. I think it, even if you don't use the tools, these literary devices, that it's good to consider them. Why? Even on a um, surface level, there's things that we know as a culture and to sort of dismiss and say, well, that, that's not important and I'm not going to use, I'm not going to get into it. Uh, then it's leaving everything up to chance. And I can tell, I, I, when I pick up a, uh, something somebody has written. I can tell how much they've worked on it and considered it and how much they know about character and story. <laughs> Flabbergast! Well, I've, and too, I've been doing this for a while, so I, th you know, I just get the, I just get this gut. And the difference between, say, myself and somebody who just picks up something and it's going from the gut is that I can translate it and I can say interpret and go um, get into the specifics of what it is. <clears throat> That's not always uh, a good thing for you know to be telling especially a younger writer and I don't mean age-wise I mean um, so not younger uh, let's go for inexperienced, which doesn't sound good. Someone who's just beginning the art of it, the craft, you know, and that, I think that that's a better way to say it. Um, <clears throat> you know, they have a desire to do it. There's this impulse. It's happening, right? But it's really rough and it's raw and... It's slapdash, express myself, get it out there, which is fine. You know, that's, there's a territory for that. And <clears throat> it's a starting place. Uh, 
and uh, there's a kind of horror there as well, you know, once it gets going and sort of seeing just how far one can go, because just talking about Latotes, right, it's like you, you can go all the way, you could have every word has, you know, some purpose, rather than, you know, you just dumped a bunch of words onto a page, that there's this incredible amount of intention going on, what you mean by it, why you did this, instead of, you know, I don't know why, I'm just, I'm imitating people who do this, and, you know, kind of flailing about as we do, as I have done. Uh, and two, I still do. Honestly, I still do. I, I majorly screwed up just a while ago. So desperate to uh, get something out the door, I just I put an inferior product out there. I had to, right? And I, I immediately regretted it, and I'm pulling everything back and going, okay, slow down. <laughs> work on quality and we've all been there I <clears throat> it's the human thing to do so latotes in what case would you use latotes so if, if if you have a place in your work where you want to have have this feeling of, you know, say, uh, something's taken away. Uh, you have a character who is showing some kind of regret, or just in a scene, that there's that a moment to you, this sound, might, might sound weird, but say for a writer, the, you know, this is meat and potatoes, or, you know, uh, <laughs> rice and tofu it makes sense and let's put some vegetables in there as well <clears throat> uh, okay so right so you have a scene and it comes down to word choices right you know you're you know it's it's one of the last drafts you have this scene and the word choice has to do with uh expressing t the tone of, say, how this character is doing, or, how, or even how you want the reader to interpret, you know, this moment. And it hinges on one word. So if you use sad, you're just giving this away. Uh, you know, there's a moment here where I'm going, okay, do I reference... Stephen King, or just do I say, do I just talk about show versus tell? Because Stephen King's thing was, you know, the haunted house. As soon as you say haunted house, it sort of throws up all these memories. <laughs> Sprays them everywhere. Uh, how, however, it's, it's, it's cheap. And it's better to describe what the house looks like. Why? Uh, it's too easy, and it's not it's not visual. It communicates really quick, but again, it's not visual. So you're not actually describing the house. You're you're referencing. Uh, why does that matter? It gets down to the difference between the meaning of sad and unhappy from the viewpoint of a latote, right, a literary device. In one instance, you're giving away the emotion right away, and in the other, you're not. You're, giving, you're actually giving something, and then you're taking it away. Uh, <laughs> what does it matter? Uh, it can matter. It, it, it sort of hinges. And you could go with your gut. Or you could actually sit there and 
sort of think about, you know, what un does. Why does un exist? Why not just say sad? Why do we say unhappy or uh, unlikable? Say, so opening up the dictionary, and there's this, you know, list of unwords. Sort of thinking, well, why, why even list them? And you can go on from there. There's other words, uh, like dis, d-i-s, which has this great um, connotation connection to. Uh, Dante's uh, Divine Comedy in the Inferno and I have this kind of right that hell is actually called dis because it's this you know it's 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 the ante it's sort of saying it's not <clears throat> which is it which is a an interesting way to uh, consider you know that um, imagined place or state, the psychological state of being dis. Much like, say, if you say un, I would, you know, pretty much put it up, you know, side by side. So, why not use uh, the word? Why use, you know, the, a word that makes it opposite? Why aren't people, you know, going around saying, I feel sad? You know, why would they say, I feel unhappy? And is it because sort of we're casting about for the right, you know, the right word? Uh, it's, not, it's not efficient. And so it gets, it gets down to this meaning of, you know, you're presenting a state... And then you're saying, I feel the opposite of this state. That's going deep. Uh, that's how, you know, that's, this is an example of how deep and how far writing can go, right? You know, you're in the terrain of linguistics. You know, um, people like Noam Chomsky or... Uh, or whatever your flavor is, are, are sitting here sort of considering how we use language, why, you know, why uh, we choose words, phrases, grammatical structure, the way we do. Uh, and that it affects perception. In the example of utopia, as you go through and if you're sort of keeping your awareness on the use of the latotes, then there's this sort of double awareness of the effect that that it, yeah that it's a having. On one hand, it's only say in a university, right? or in, uh, <laughs> on the front lines, uh, such as this ongoing walk and talk podcast, you know, that's, that's where you're going to be hearing about this stuff. It's going to crop up and, you know, some people talk about poetry, it's going to crop up and people talk about rhetoric, speech making. Uh, you know, oh, that politician said, use this particular word in this particular way. Oh, that's a latote. Uh, do we need to know this stuff, you know, to, you know, go on with our daily routine? No, we don't. You know, as long as we're taking care of the basics, we don't need to be thinking about this stuff. But we're, when we're in the terrain of words, when we're in the terrain, terrain of communication, uh, it, becomes, it becomes important. 
I don't know why it's become important for me now. Uh, you know, why does it does it take some time to ferment? I know younger writers say, I know people who started writing when they were a kid, right? That they were always writing. They had this dream when they were younger. And I remember I remember comic books. I remember making a comic book when I was I and two, this is a photo of me actually cutting up a Hawkman comic book when I was young to glue and to make my own comic book. But it, it didn't sort of become cohesive until mid-twenties. And I was actually thinking about, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I could do this. Or, you know, you write a manuscript, right? And you think, ta-da! <laughs> it's easy! I think that if you're advertising, let's see how to do this. For an advertisement, say if you're going for just, you know, clear emotional content that you would... I have to get back to the haunted house explanation. Let's do the happy sad thing. Sort of kill two birds with one stone. Okay, so advertising that you would want your product to be um, yeah it, it comes down to a question of okay well what what do you want the desired outcome to be you know you've only got a little bit of text and you're telling a story uh, because it's not just you know novels movies right it's Propaganda, it's advertising, marketing campaigns. So we have a little bit of, uh, just a little bit of time and space for this text that f- flashes up on our YouTube video, uh, be- or say before the video plays or in- is interrupting the video. And, um, So we've got to reduce everything down to, you know, just these few statements. Just to jump back to the showing versus telling and the haunted house. Oh! (laughs) It's a raccoon. Oh, Oh, taken off. I just came around the corner and the the raccoon was... uh, just this moment of uh... and to, I might have I, it might be just say one raccoon that I keep seeing <clears throat> it's, it's, it was like intense because it just came around like I was just it just came around the corner and it's like you know five feet away from me Ah, uh, ooh, there's a, oh, oh, there's a whiff of, uh, skunk. Uh oh, it's a double whammy. And if, oh no, just keeping a lookout for this, <laughs> the source of the stench. So where were we? The haunted house. <clears throat> so rather than say haunted house, it's it's better to sort of go into okay, well, what in, evokes that image, that idea, and then you you know you build up the the visuals, right? The broken window. Uh, some maybe some curtains that are looking kind of ghostly, and two you you wouldn't even say ghostly, 
if you really wanted to go for it, right? You would sort of go, okay, well, what evokes ghostly? Is it sort of a gauze? You know, they're ripped, they're torn. There's holes in them. I, I like holes in, in the curtains. These white or pale curtains. So, uh, even with, say, sad or unhappy, I, I think unless you were doing a first person, I don't know if I would say sad or unhappy. I might sort of try to describe, if I could, like, okay, well, what is what does sad feel like or look like? What does hap- unhappy look like? Or happy? And that's, that's what's so vicious about drafts, that you could spend months on this. And, and then you ought to. <laughs> you, you really ought to. If you're considering the reader and you want to create this incredible event experience. Which takes, you know, that, that takes time, equally money. <clears throat> so the advertiser, they might have it as dialogue, two people talking, and then, you know, they're going to hit us with the at, the, at the end, you know, the punchline is the slogan, or slogan. As, as David Bowie once sang. So, uh, we have our dialogue and these two people talking about, you know, how they feel. And it comes down to choices. This, this rhetoric of language, right? Are we going to use, you know, this word? It means the same thing, but it's slightly different. To say sad almost sounds like, you know, there's no cause for the sadness. It's just this, you know, this feeling that you have and you, you don't really know why. It's, you know, it's just organic and, and uh, you're just feeling blue on that day. But with unhappy, it says, you know, that there was happiness and now... It's been und, it's been removed, it's been taken. And two, it's a suggestion of that, right? Because we see the word happy and we go, oh, right? Which is, which is different than, than sad. Like I said, I probably wouldn't use these words as in doing narration. I'd probably use um, dialogue. So these two characters, these two characters are talking, and there could even be a a consideration of use of of words. Like, let's say one character uses the word sad, and then the other character uses the word unhappy. And let's say it's that the sad character doesn't know why they're sad, and then the other the other character knows that you know this other person was unhappy so person number 1 was was happy and has now had unhappened to them and so the product could be all about this and sort of say you know you've you've you know you've got to deal with the un whatever it is and then we get the slogan which is it's all about uh, un Right? It's all about undoing your problems. So, yeah, so now we have another example of undoing your problems. Undo. Right, how are we doing for time? Oh, yeah, let's go down to the other loop. And that moon uh, is looking quite full and bright. And uh, 
staring down like a peeled clove of garlic, which is not quite true, garlic, that shape, but whatever. I was thinking pill garlic, or at least now I'm sort of translating and thinking pill garlic, which I think is a description of baldness. Yeah. Okay, so we're in the false success of the midway, halfway point. Things are looking great. <clears throat> the the stuff that I'm I'm currently doing drafts on it's really um, taking me to school. It's just an it's just another good reminder. And I sit here and think about all the advice I've gotten about spending time with ten pages, right? That to just do ten pages and then to because the the sample that I'm doing is uh, I'm sort of showing okay, well this is what I want to work on. This is for a grant up here in Canada, um, and I want it to be quality, right? To sort of show this is what I can do, and so I can get some, uh, it's kind of like getting a scholarship, basically, uh, for writing, which is cool, uh, but it's got to be good, uh, there's competition, and what else, it's an, it's an issue I've been talking about, I, I mentioned it a while ago, it's I had this idea for these uh, three women that would be uh, that would own a hairdressing place. This is sort of my backstory, and it's these are a group of characters. But right now, I'm just introducing things and it's kind of bringing bringing us to this uh, oil pipeline demonstration where. It's almost like every chapter we will return, but, you know, see it through the eyes of different characters. And, uh... So I, I was considering the story threads. I've mentioned this before, where you're, you're looking for these small moments that go through the story. And... <clears throat> An, an obvious one for me, the first, I guess it's the first one I notice is colors, and colors will pop out, and then I'll sort of go, oh, is there anywhere else that I can put this color that would be relevant, right? That would be, um, or just even say to collage and to see if it works, right? Sort of move things around, um, sort of say, okay, I'm going to have this thread of color that sort of, you know, uh, occasionally will pop up. And can I see or can I invent, can I shape it in such a way that it has meaning? I mentioned, I mentioned the temperature. And that was one really nice story thread, a uh, bit of symbolism, where it sort of pops up and I go, you know, I just sort of, oh, wow, okay. I see, you know, say for me that I understand uh, I'm thinking of a, a moment of symbolism from Game of Thrones I was watching the uh, this was seasons, seasons back and the symbolism is uh, uh, I'm a character has killed a deer, and the deer is symbolic of the king. Uh, it's the king's heraldry, right? It's his symbol. And so killing the deer is symbolic of killing the king. And this all, this all sort of works. And 
in this, you know, what, in what we see, the deer is being cleaned, right? It's uh, the uh, its innards, its intestines, and uh, stuff are being taken out. The awful, um, also to the you know the vital organs and everything. It's being, anyways. I think the key word is is cleaned. And it doesn't. On one hand, you know, it's just the character is cleaning this deer that they've hunted and killed. But on the other other hand, you know, the king has also been, in a sense, hunted and killed. And so it's sort of, it's working on two levels. And this is, uh, for me, that's a moment of subtext. You know, where this event is going on, and it has deeper meaning. Uh, could a person miss it? Yes. If you're not looking for it, you know, I spent years watching movies and TV and reading books, uh, listening to music, and not picking up on stuff occasionally. But it was more gut, right? I sort of just got this feeling that something something else was being said. And I couldn't, I couldn't tell you why most of the time. Uh, but what's uh, um, so studying, and then uh, actually practicing, putting in subtext, um, teaching as well. I can remember teaching some uh, subtext in a class, and that's one thing say, in working with symbolism to consider, is sort of say, well, you know, is it telling uh, a different story than what we're seeing? Uh, Where this piece, this sample is, it could be considered, say, a first chapter. A woman, older woman, is driving up to this demonstration and two, she doesn't mean to. There's there's other internal stuff going on that's motivating her, and it's it ha- I think I've talked about this character that it has to do with purpose, right? That you know she's lost purpose. She's looking for purpose. This thing just happens to be on social media, and it just it's sort of like the you know the way opens. And she ends up going to this thing. So on the way, I, I start noticing, you know, symbolisms, you know, the temperature. Uh, you know, well, what does the temperature mean? At home, um, she's in this cold room, which is the room of her uh, dead son. You know, it's his old room, his childhood room. And she's turned it into sort of her office. Uh, But she doesn't have a heater on in there. Um, And so it's cold. (laughs) I'm just remembering uh, rooms like that. I can remember having rooms that uh, if you didn't have a heater in them, it it got pretty cold. Not as cold as some places, but... We occasionally get a cold, a cold day. Just irritating cold. That's that's what it was. You'd have to wait, you know, to warm up for the for the, um, the you know the blankets to sort of create that co- cocoon warmth. Anyways, so uh, it's it's telling us that this woman is a uh, this older woman is a mother. Eventually, we we learned that this uh, son has passed away, and so there's you know that's really at sort of the heart of this character and uh, where she's at. <clears throat> Symbolism, temperature. So as like say I I wrote the first draft without considering too much. I just sort of had this, you know, I had the setting. I had you know, like this impulse to write about this event, which is where um, our 
federal slash national police. Uh, also royal, they're connected to the queen, but uh, they they arrested some uh, demonstrators, and, and it just sort of got my attention, and I, I I want to sort of consider all sides. I want to meet the characters, you know, archetypes who sort of are on all these different sides of the equation. Who are the cheerleaders, you know, and who are the uh, who's the audience who's taking part in this event? So, <clears throat> so with the with the temperature, as, as I'm going through, this is uh, I think this is about midway through my draft process. And I started noticing, you know, oh, the truck has a heater. Uh, it's cold outside. The house where we start is warm, except for this one room. The event that we end up at is cold. It's outside. Uh, and there's snow, whereas when we start, there's no snow in the city. Uh, one thing that I just did today was I had I had saw the heater in the truck as this potential Chekhov's gun, right? And so I'm I've introduced that the the heater uh, could break break down stop working because it's uh she just she just talks about it she's sort of like you know, she's worried that the heater's going to break down. And um, so just uh, editing, doing draft today. And I made that happen, right? I, I went through just sort of concentrating on this heater and I went sort of a three-act structure to the heater and went, right, we introduce that the heater might break. We show that the heater is rattling and, you know, some other sort of descriptions of the sound. It's working, but there's this, you know, oh, it might go wrong. We're out in the middle of nowhere, and the heater does break, and it starts to get cold. And, you know, finally we end up where, uh, yeah, it's freezing. <laughs> and two, there's, there's always this choice of turning back. Right, you know, well, the car, you know, the truck works, so I can I can turn back, but just heading deeper and deeper into this ice cold temperature, <clears throat> getting more into the uh, symbolism of of this warmth. Instead of just saying, "This woman feels sad," or like the Latote, she feels unhappy. Um, I'd be actually tempted to have unhappy, uh, to have a sort of thread of uh, Latotes and just sort of mentioning that, you know, there was one, there used to be a state, but now it's this unquality has messed things up. Let's see if I could cram in. Oh, yeah, I think I can sort of describe what this whole temperature thing is. So I'd mentioned that she's lost her son. You know, yes, she is upset, but sort of showing, you know, having this contrast of the house. I described it as, you know, it's tropical warm, right? It's actually heated up too much. It doesn't have to be so warm, but her husband likes it that way, whereas she likes to be in this one room in the house that is hers, it's her office, and she just leaves the heat off. And that this is important to her. She wants to be, um, I look at it as she's reminding herself of, of her son, 
you know, she's in his room. Uh, she hasn't let go, or say it hasn't transformed. You know, it still has the old wallpaper. And I get into some playing with colors as well, the color of the wallpaper, and just sort of say how much the room means, how much the relationship meant. Leaving leaving the house, leaving the safety of um, she can she can leave this cold, brutal reminder of a room and go into this warm sort of Hawaii vacation, Fiji, you know, just it's somewhere else. And I, I put in little hits of um, description that sort of say that the house or at least sort of the ideas of the house are, you know, that it's of somewhere else, uh, exotic and not occidental. There's your word for the day. It's, you know, sort of an attempt to escape. She, you know, she can take one foot out, you know, step outside this cold room, and, and she's kind of in this safe, uh, tropical, you know, get away and her husband is uh, drinking himself to death basically and so that's how he's coping um, and I, I don't get too much into it uh, but working on it later I'm sort of considering and I'm setting up this guy and I want to return to what he's doing during the demonstration, right? What his, yeah, just, you know, sort of compare and contrast, right? Because he's not going to this demonstration, right? He's, uh, he's hell-bent on this um, uh, doing himself in, and yet not. It's this weird thing. I was thinking about it. It's going, how many... You know, how many people, this, you know, I think this has hap happened to a lot of people, you know, where they just sort of, uh, <clears throat> it's like that, the retirement thing. If you don't have anything to do, you know, that's, <laughs> that's a bad sign. Anyways, just, just continuing with the symbolism of the temperature and, and how, what it means that eventually when she gets to this demonstration it's in the cold it's, it's not just cold, it's that cold where it's um, it hurts like it's, it's like it's uh, it's like you're scalding water right? It's, it feels like it's hot and I know that there's even you know, farther where you know, there's a numbness and then eventually it, you, know, you start to feel warm and you, you know, you're gonna, uh, and, and too, I, I would probably, uh, the story is not going there, but at this point, I'm just considering that the, the arc to this point, uh, the emotional arc, and I don't reveal right away about her, what happened with her son, but eventually we get into sort of how her son died, and we get into uh, showing, hopefully, uh, showing, you know, how this is is getting her uh, to this demonstration. And two, subconsciously, like she's she's not sort of deciding to go out to this thing. She's very nice and warm in in the in the truck and it, it's just a it's just a lot of these sort of last minute uh, decisions where she's not even thinking like she's just doing, doing, doing until she finally gets there and she's so deep in that she's you know <laughs> looks like I'm doing this colors I found myself this morning thinking about 
cold or cool colors and then warm colors and positioning them. Like say, the blue room, you know, the wallpaper is blue. And too, there's the obvious sadness. I'm just, I'm just realizing that as a, as a kid, I had at least one of the rooms I was in was, uh, it was blue and it was intentionally done. And I was sort of like, that's kind of tragic. You know, why not some nice, happy colors? Maybe that's eventually why I steered towards orange as a as kind of thematic color for Moss Whelan. Let's see, let's see. So yeah, as we go out, um, you know, there's there's colors, and is he talking about the deer? That say, if not now, then say later. I would like to do something like that, to have to have that symbolism and that that meaning. One thing about that deer symbolism is that it's set up earlier. That we have the symbol is associated with a person, a character, an event, uh, a function. So it's so it's loaded up earlier, um, and to knowing how these things go. Of course, in the first draft, you're you're just getting the words down. And then as you come back... <laughs> ah, I'm seeing raccoons and skunks everywhere now in my imagination. Because there's these shadows. But I, but I would like to do something like that where I... Uh, I introduce a person as... Maybe metaphorically, you know, sort of... He was a deer. And then have somebody else who's... Um, Maybe even too having having a deer who's in the forest watching, right? This this event taking place, or the people get arrested, and this deer is just you know this winter deer is watching. Uh, I'm thinking, okay, what other kind of animals A would be out in the winter time, you know, and B would do something like that. I picked up Latotes from studying and pretty sure pretty sure I was at Simon Fraser University. I'm pretty sure that's where I picked up that perspective. And it was a it was a list of devices that more was using in Utopia. I'm just sort of like, okay, these are the things you're going to see, or at least in the class, these are what we're going to focus on. And then, you know, you're going to be tested later on this stuff. Uh, so once again, it's nice that it actually stuck in there. To be honest, you know, say I'm, I'm not at home. So, I'm not at home sitting there going, well, this would be a really great place for La Tote. Uh, I would consider it for a thread, right, or some kind of leitmotif, this repetition that goes through. Um, I'd have to have a situation or a character where, you know, this sort of, this suggestion, you know, like say, you have this... Um, feeling, that I wanted to evoke that feeling, and apparently so far I've, I've not had to, or wanted to. I can't remember if I mentioned this, but I think it would be interesting to do a short piece uh, that had every single literary device in it, just as a challenge, you know, or a... Um, Also, too, it's sort of, 
isn't that procrastination though aren't you know aren't we supposed to be writing you know aren't we supposed to be drafting and you know s- sitting down and working on the story instead of fiddly bits So Latotes, Latotes all, they have to do with the suggestion of, it's, it's almost like, say, um, being able to see within, right? Be, in, in, within the sadness, you can see the happiness, right? That had once existed to illustrate, you know, what the Latote is doing. And I'm just imagining, say, that, that, you know, really that's at the core of the choice. It's a nice kind of juxtaposition there, core. <clears throat> and uh, being able to see inside, you know, inside this word. Yeah, it's almost like, say, you know, that the happy is surrounded by this un, right, this shell of unness, and it's like wrapped around it. But you can still see inside, you know, like this sort of transparent uh, shell. Uh, and so I get, yeah, so sad, so sad doesn't do that, it just gives it to us, you know, directly, instantly. And that's, ah, oh, that's subtle. But say, in, in doing something like writing a speech, right, you know, that's, that's what you're, that's where you're at, that's what you're at. Uh, and as well that political speeches are remembered, you know, they're written down, uh, they're in the news, picked apart, uh, also by, you know, the other political parties, you know, who are looking for, you know, okay, how do we respond to this uh, in a way, in such a way that serves our economic interests, you know, our um, corporate masters. Moss, how dare you? Hey, there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with uh, capitalism as long as it's in my leash and me being us and us being we and you know as long as it's serving us ah uh, famous famous last words just sort of going back over this image of um, the original word mm, here's an here's an interesting twist why don't we say unsad you know it's it's completely all right but for some reason it's just sort of it's dropped into this rules and regulations, that there are certain words that use un, and there's others that don't. You know, you open up the dictionary, and you won't find unsad. But, I argue to you, why not? And, especially, say, being in the realm of literary fiction, I feel quite, you know, (laughs) I feel like my argument is on very stable stilts. Right, that uh, it's like sure I can do that. Why not? And two, I'm just feeling that you're arguing that back to me, right? You know, that the antithesis, the antithesis, is it, it is the 
lack of flexibility in language, that things do get corporate and bureaucratic and, and pedantic, that you know, we, we restrain ourselves from having um, a kind of liberty with language and a flexibility. So I, w- I would like to invite you to use unsad as much as possible. <laughs> um, and then say when somebody asks, why are you, do- you doing that? And then please say, you know, well, this guy Moss says it's a latote. And I totally want to use this latote. And to, to elevate the conversation above the bureaucracy and, and put it into the realm of art right let's 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 be artists uh, yeah so that's you know, that that ought to be the title i think of this episode is unsad the latote of unsadness well uh, thanks for listening i hope it's been an earful Take care and keep up the great work.